to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm sitting with my most faithful co-host, Crystal. Hello. You have to tell people what you do. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview. And we are sitting in our recording studio, and we did it for ourselves today the first time. (laughs) There must be some clapping on the other end. Please, somebody that listens to us and hears us wrestle with technology. Well, Johnny will be really proud of us. He has been pushing us to do this for a while already. Yes. So we got some training last week by Matt, and hopefully this is actually working. We'll find out in about half an hour after we're done. Yeah. I see little wavelengths on my computer, so that's a good thing. Okay, that's a good thing. And so another good thing, another first thing, is that Crystal did her first ever half marathon. Well, it was actually my second. Oh. I thought it was your first. (laughs) No. (laughs) We did one, we did the run for water last year. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yes. So, but yes, on Valentine's Day, instead of sitting and having a cup of coffee in bed or whatever, I was out in the rainy, wet, windy uh, seawall running the first half marathon. It was called the first half. Okay. That was the name of the race. So. so is that why I was thinking it was your first? Maybe. Maybe. Who are you running with? Uh, Rebecca Meeker. Nice. So she has been on our podcast several times as a guest. She is the wife of uh, Kyle Meeker, one of our pastors here. And so we had both been casual runners for years. And then a couple of years ago, we decided or figured out that we both had had this dream of someday doing a half marathon. And then so last year, she shoulder tapped me and said, this is it. We have to do it. We're getting old, so we better start now. <laughs> so then we yeah, went for that first one. And every time we would hit a new milestone, like mm-hmm. I had never run more than 10 kilometers, I think, okay. until that point. So when we hit 12, we were like, oh, we did 12. And then 14. <laughs> so every time we added, it was like this big celebration. That's so, great. Yeah. So you did your, well, your second first half marathon, I guess, on yeah. Valentine's Day. What other goals do you have for running? I don't know. I think maybe just getting better times. I can't imagine myself doing a marathon. Okay. That just seems like way too much time. I think it would be a lot of time. Yeah, because you have to run up to, yeah, four hours or so, three and a half hours. I don't know. That just seems like it'll take a lot of a chunk of a day. So do you have any plans for the spring? Uh, Not necessarily. I might do the run for water again. We were thinking of maybe doing, there's one in uh, Thanksgiving weekend on Vancouver Island. Mm. So that Mm -hmm. might be an option. So. Yeah, see how well I recover from this one. I'm still a little stiff and sore. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. I got to sit in bed and drink coffee on Valentine's Day. Not me. And my whole family, I mean, they were nice. They came actually and cheered, standing in the rain. Way to go. I know. Bob drove us in early and yeah, got a coffee and then waited for two hours for us to be done. Nice. And then my kids came in later, so. So you need to choose maybe a time of year when the weather would be nicer. Yeah. And then maybe more of us would come. I would come and cheer you on with my coffee. There you go. Yeah. If it's not February in the rain. Yeah. Okay. It could have been sunny, but okay. So February is the month that we often talk about relationships and all the different, you know, youth events here talking about relationships. So instead of romantic relationships, Crystal and I decided that we wanted to talk about the relationships between parents and adult children. So that's adult children kind of 18 and up, mm-hmm. anywhere 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and parents anywhere in that zone. Yeah, because you never stop being a parent and you never stop being a child. So what does that look like as you become an adult? Right. Yeah. And so uh, Crystal and I both have parents and Crystal has adult children, a child, adult child. One that's crossed that 18-year-old bound. He actually just turned 20 last week. Yeah. Weird to have a 20-year-old. Yes. I'm not quite there yet. I have grade 11 and 12. 
yeah, myself, close. But, mm-hmm. but we both work with lots of parents and lots of adult children working through some of the sticky things that come up in this transition zone and even well into the transition zone when it's not so new anymore, but still that those relationship tensions. Yeah. And these can be in generally healthy families. It's not saying that people are unhealthy or yeah, and dysfunctional. No. It's just a different way that you have to think about your relationship. Mm-hmm. And at Northview, a lot of parents love their adult children, and adult children love their parents, and yet there's still some tension and some strain and some boundaries talking and all that kind of thing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And we thought we would start off by saying, what are some things that parents want? We'll talk about that for a bit. And then we want to talk about what do adult children want, and then we're going to get into some of the sticky situations. So Crystal, what do we think that parents want? Well, I know for myself, uh, I want my kids to get along when they're mm-hmm. adults. I want them to be friends. That was one of my goals from when they were little. Like we would say to them, these siblings are going to be with you the rest of your life. They're going to be your adult friends. Yeah. So we wanted them to develop those relationships when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And we want them to be happy. Yeah. And we want them to be successful, whatever that looks like in our own minds. Yeah. Which could be, Yeah depending on what kind of job we kind of have envisioned for them mm-hmm. or how we see them using the gifts that God's given them. Yeah. Yeah, we want to see them investing. Yep. The challenge is that parents also often have a list of extra unsaid expectations. So we have the basics of what we want, and then we don't tell them, but we have this long list of other things. So what would those be? Um, going on every holiday with you as parents, <laughs> having these traditions that have started as kids that we just kind of keep going on into eternity. Absolutely. Uh, spending lots of time with their, with their siblings. Like yeah. we want to see our kids getting together mm-hmm. when they're, when they're on, when they're adults. Yeah. We often have the expectation that we'd like them to get married and have children. Yeah. Which gives parents grandchildren. That's right. Um, yeah, we have maybe certain expectations of what level of education we want them to get. Like yeah. a high school isn't good enough. It has to be a bachelor's or it has to be a master's or, mm-hmm. you know, we have ex- expectation of what they should do with their lives. Yeah. And we often want them to have not just a job, but a great job. And that doesn't necessarily mean money-wise, but something that we would necess- we would esteem. Right. So yeah. why is that? I know. <laughs> You're talking about competition. I know. That comes up between parents. Why does that oh, happen? Oh, I have my little rant because parents sort of get into this competition zone where they kind of don't realize it, but they kind of have these gold stars. So like if you have kids that get good jobs and have a great spouse and they have grandchildren and you have vacations together as a whole family and you have regular family meals together, and maybe if your kids are active in church and more gold stars, if you're all at the same church (laughs) and sitting in the same service. Family pew. Yes, your family pew. And if your kids live further away, they visit regularly, you can tell everybody and put it on Facebook. Like it can be something where we sort of ramp up all the checklists. Right. Yeah. And we see ourselves as being successful parents and feel good about what we did as parenting work if all these things take place. Yeah. And if our kids also do really well in sports or dance or education or academics or music, it adds to our gold stars. Like, look at my kids. Yeah. I've realized that in my own life that I was kind of living vicariously through some of my kids' things, right? And when they would succeed, I would feel good. And when they yeah. failed, I would feel bad. And I thought, this is crazy. Like my self-identity is wrapped up in this. Yeah. And I've realized that I need to really think about this because they need to be able to have success and failure 
on their own terms, but we can fall into that very easily. Oh, yeah. I remember when my kids were young and when they didn't do well at something like you know, the, the Friday night basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when they're little, of course, they don't really know what they're doing. And my kids, you know, learned eventually. But when they were first learning, then not so great. And I used to wanted, almost wanted to dive under the bench. Like, oh, because there's other kids at the same age that are they're just doing so totally amazing. Well. Oh, and you just feel embarrassed as that parent. And I thought, this is terrible. How can you be embarrassed about your own five-year-old child? I know. But it's, it's so true, and it yeah. continues along the way. And when we post things on Facebook about all our kids' successes and stuff, it can mm-hmm. be even heightened, right? We yeah. can kind of be bragging about things. Um, yeah, so people think well about us. Yeah. Um, and then it can make other people feel less than. So finding a way to celebrate yeah. our kids' successes and to support them in their failures, um, yeah, in a way that also honors the people around us and... And I think realizing, we need to realize where we are trying to collect the gold stars. Yeah. And we don't always realize that. We're taking pride, too much pride in our kids. You know, the idol of the family and the idol of the kids and what they're doing. Yeah. So on the other side, of course, parents feel like they lose gold stars. Yeah. If, you know, their kids live at home sort of too long in the parents' eyes, or if they struggle in life with education or jobs or relationships. And of course, if they're involved in things that parents are not happy with, whether that's drugs or alcohol or maybe a not a great relationship, or um, if they decide not to follow God anymore. Yeah. Ki- parents feel like they've lost their gold stars and they feel ashamed and they're afraid to hold their head up at church. And it can be a really sensitive topic. Yeah, it makes it, it can put a strain on their friendships, right? Yeah. Because they don't want to be around their friends whose kids are all doing great if yeah. their own kids aren't. Mm-hmm. So it can put a real strain on and relationships within the church and community, you can be scared to share some of your own sorrows or struggles because you don't want yeah. to look like a parent that has failed in some way. Yeah, because it's really hard to sit beside the parent that has the kids with all the gold stars and the family with all the gold stars all sitting together in the pew. And you're like, but my kids, by myself, yeah, or... and my kids left home and they don't follow God anymore and they're not involved at a church and they struggle with their job and they just lost their job and you know, their marriage just broke up and, and there's this comparing between parents yeah which happens in all sorts of different mm-hmm. places in life right if we're trying to get pregnant and the, our friend can and we can't yes or if we want to be married and we're single and our friend's married or yeah. all kinds of different things we can compare with our brother who has more money to go on vacations or yeah. so it's not only in this area no but this is a very painful area for some people a very painful area. And, you know, I've walked this with my family. My brother struggled all through his growing up years and wasn't that kid that did everything right. And it was very hard for my parents in a small church where you feel supported, but you also feel judged and condemned for maybe your parenting. But it's the child's and then the adult child's choice. Right. So this was a tough tension that I walked growing hmm. up, seeing my parents struggle with their friends and those parents that you know, kids seem to be doing everything right, right from day one all the way through. And here's my parents really struggling with their son. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about what do adult children want? So I would say anybody kind of 18 and up, kind of finishing grade 12 and up, they're heading into the adult years, but they could also be in their 30s, 40s, 50s. What do adult children want? They want to be treated as adults. They don't want to be treated as little kids anymore. They don't want to be 
smothered and told how many vegetables that they have on their plate and whether they have the right clothing when they go out for a walk and all those things, right, that we have done for them when they're four. But we have to stop saying when they're... Even the little things like drive safely. Yeah, It's like, really? I'm like, how old now? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) As if I'm going to really drive recklessly. Like what? Yeah. And yeah, I don't need to be told what jacket to wear, not what jacket to wear at, at a certain point. Yeah. I think, too, just want to be allowed to make their own choices, mm-hmm. to try new things, to go to new places, not to be at the same holiday place every time, yeah. all the time. Um, yeah, that ability to just try out different careers or try out different life paths. Which is really hard for parents because, if, for example, if your kid was really good at dance or soccer or basketball in high school and you want them to continue on that path and they say, you know what, I'm kind of done with that. I want to try something new. It's like, What? That doesn't figure into the parenting realm. And that can be a source of tension and strain as kids want to try something else. Yeah. I know. It's funny. Like, I see myself in so many of these things. I know. Because I was just thinking when my daughter, she was a competitive swimmer. When she quit swimming, I almost mourned it more than she did because I just loved watching her and seeing the joy and and seeing her achieve new times. I know. And it made me realize, yeah. we we, That wasn't necessarily about my gold stars. It was just I loved seeing her do something. Well, yeah. When Ava was little, she chose to wear the color pink. And for many, many years, up until high school, I would almost say maybe middle school, pink was her thing. Pink everything. But when she decided that she still likes pink but is branching out, this has been really hard for me, hard for my extended <laughs> families. We still give her things that are pink. And she's like, yeah. That but was I'm... yesterday, <laughs> mom. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's just a little example. But kind of think of that when you multiply it over the years that when you get to be in your 30s and 40s and you pick up new hobbies or new interests and your parents don't track with you and they kind of still expect you to be as you were. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. They want to be, adult children want to be treated as friends with their mm-hmm. parents, as equals, not as subordinates. I know. Yeah. It's hard. And they want their voices and their thoughts and opinions to be heard mm-hmm. when they're adult children. They want their, their opinions to count for something and not just to be poo-pooed because they were the kids Shushed. once. Yeah. 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 They want to have some credibility in that sure. relationship. Yeah. So this transition can be really hard and painful and definitely uncomfortable for everyone. And we have to remember back to, remember parents when we sent our first kid to school or high school or university or your first child married or first child moved away, that transition is tough for parents. Yeah. And expect it. Yeah. Expect it. It It is difficult and lurchy and have its moments of frustration and pain. I'm I'm already worrying ahead. Yeah. Because I have one in grade 12 (laughs) who's considering options for next year. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be stretching. But I've watched you, Crystal, I've watched many other parents go through this. But I just know that it's still going to be awkward and painful and uncomfortable. You still have to walk through it. I know. There's no way around it. I know. Someone asked me for the solution and I said, just time. Yeah. Yeah. And then for adult children, we have to remember what it was like leaving home for Bible college or university or getting married or moving away for a job or moving into your own apartment for the first time. And it was exciting for us as adult children, but it was also scary and it was new. Like we're not at home anymore. Parents aren't necessarily making meals or supporting us in the same way. So... It's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's think a little bit about when the transitions will be especially hard. Hmm. So I think if you are a single parent, that would be hard because if you have been the one, the sole person raising the child or children, um, then all of a sudden you're feeling, yeah, that loss of companionship a lot more maybe. It's a little sense of a ripping uh, kind of thing. Yeah. 
Could be. I also know families who have said, okay, we're going to pay for university and pay for you to live there because this is just not working. <laughs> so it can be both sides. And yeah. you need some space. Yeah. 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 I think if you've uh, been primarily a stay-at-home mom, uh, we see a lot of people mm-hmm. that then that's an even bigger struggle because their life has been very much being that caregiver yeah. person for the family and they've invested a lot of t- great time uh, yeah. if, if they've homeschooled and stuff, especially, right? Yeah. They've been with their kids 24-7 and then all of a sudden they're not there. Yeah. That can be really difficult. So if you're in that spot, if you're primarily a stay-at-home mom or a homeschooling mom or both, it's wise to maybe think ahead. Yeah. Think as you're getting closer to it, start to think of what are you going to do now if life changes? It can't stay the same. So what are you going to do? Think ahead a little bit. Yeah. Uh, parents with only one child, mm-hmm. uh, I can't imagine. I mean, that would just be a whole different level, right? For me, I kind of slowly can gradually move from one to the other to the other. Yeah. And like next year, we will only have one at home. And that is, I feel so bad for <laughs> my youngest. He's going to be all bored with Bob and I. He's going to be smothered by you guys for a little bit. <laughs> but that was, yeah, if you only have one yeah. and then they're gone. Yeah. yeah. You don't have that time to kind of learn and still have somebody around and... No, and mine are a year apart. So it's bang, bang, out. Done. Yeah. I'm very scared. Yeah. I also know parents who have lost a child to death. Yeah. And then the remaining children, they feel an extra connection to. And so it's harder to allow that move into adult-child-parent relationships. So be aware then if that's your situation, knowing what's coming up. There's going to be extra challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Parents that have disabilities, if they've depended on their adult kids for help and support, whether it's an emotional issue, depression or anxiety Mm -hmm. or physical disabilities, their kids have been the one to pitch in. It's going to be definitely harder when they're gone. Yeah. And that applies to all the age groups. So you might have parents in their 70s and you might have a 50-year-old child with disabilities. And if that child decides that they want to live on their own or they're moving away to a different city for some reason, that ripping connection isn't there. Like it doesn't have to be right when they're younger it can be when they're older too or the opposite when parents are struggling and they need to maybe uh, live in a care home or live with their adult children there's just new transitions to think about yeah so what situations do you most come into contact with at Northview not we don't have specific families in mind no. as we're talking about this no. we're talking generality so don't anyone feel targeted <laughs> by anything we say yep. um, because there's so many people here and so many of our own situations and friends and family that we're reflecting on as we mm-hmm. talk about this yeah so let me just outline some scenarios for you so I have difficulty sometimes with uh, single moms who might be single by um, divorce or separation or being widowed, and they love their kids, and they have a great mm. relationship with their kids. Mm-hmm. But that means they might text very frequently or phone very frequently, and they have depended on their adult child for friendship and for going to events and for being connected, conversation, emotional stuff. And then if their child moves away or gets married or has other friends in their life and that connection is a little more distant, the, the single parent suffers. Yeah. I also have uh, single parents who depend on their sons a lot for like the handyman stuff around the house. And so they'll call them frequently to get them to do that kind of handyman stuff. And that's great, except that it can infringe on that um, husband's, let's say, or dad's work and family life. And it can be interfering. Yeah. So they don't know how to do boundaries and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Also have families who, again, get along well, love each other, but the tradition is pizza night on Tuesday or brunch on Sunday morning, and it's great if everyone can be there, 
But if everybody can't be there, then the parents can get offended and hurt. Mm-hmm. So there's those kinds of scenarios. Yeah. What else can you add to that? I was thinking holidays when Christmas Day or the birthdays or whatever, the expectation that a holiday is celebrated on a specific day in a specific way at time. Yes. can be very hard as people move away. And yeah, it can be costly. Like for us to go to visit Bob's family in Saskatoon at Christmas, it just became prohibitive. Yeah. We can go in summertime, but to be there at Christmas, that's like $3,000. And we can go to Hawaii or Mexico for $3,000, not Saskatoon. Yeah. So, and even single adult children, they might have work schedules or the cost factor that you mentioned, and they can't necessarily be home for the day and for the dinner, but parents will expect that of them because like you're single, so you should be here. Drop everything. Drop everything. Drop your friends, drop your life, drop your work schedule. Just tell your boss you can't be there. It doesn't always work. Yeah. Sometimes these expectations are talked about, but sometimes they're just kind of implied, like we said earlier, right? And so you hear people will say, well... My parents are so passive aggressive. They just kind of drop hints like so-and-so does this with their daughter all the time. Yeah. Or just gives the big guilt trips or the mm-hmm. the sighs of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's important that these expectations are talked about, that they're identified and talked about and um, yeah, clearly kind of with some problem solving put to it. Like how do we work through this? This yeah. is something that is a stress for us. So how can we solve it? How can we work through it? And particularly in advance. Mm -hmm. So if you know that a special event of some kind is coming up, whether it's Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, a birthday, a special anniversary, talk through it in advance. Yeah. Mom and dad, what are you hoping for? What are your expectations? How can we meet those or what do we need to do to alter those? Mm -hmm. So a big issue also is around grandchildren, of course especially the birth of grandchildren. Ah, so if someone could be in the delivery room yes, and that kind of stuff you mean? Yes, oh, because moms will want to be in the delivery room when their daughter is giving birth to a baby. Hmm. But the daughter may prefer her husband or friend or somebody else to be there and prefer that the mom visits after or the mom-in-law. And then there's been a lot of difficulty around those kinds of things because it's a special day and everybody wants to celebrate and be there. But it doesn't always work. And sometimes the baby arrives earlier and the parents, grandparents aren't able to be there. And there's hurt and offense and difficulty. And we have to talk through these things in advance. What happens if we can't or it doesn't work or yeah. that kind of thing? And what's the important thing that we want to keep in mind as we plan this? Like what, what really matters and what doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? Does it really matter that we get together? Does it really matter the day or the time? or Yeah. The- We've spent a lot of time in Mark's family trying to make sure that we understand that let's celebrate with whoever can come. And if they can't come, we miss them and we're so sorry, but we're not going to be hurt or offended or angry. Yeah. Because it doesn't always work to have everybody at every gathering. No, especially as everybody gets older and has their own schedules. Yeah. Yeah. I think we see uh, parents who try to solve all the problems for their adult kids too, right? They Mm want to continually be the problem solver. And so when their kids have marriage issues, it's the Mm -hmm. parent phoning you for counseling. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Or if the kid comes to them with financial concerns, they feel like right away they have to be the bank. Yes. For that person. Yeah. They have to solve all their emotional issues. They have to take care of the grandchildren, maybe too much sometimes. And they feel a little bit used and abused by their adult children because the the parents feel like they've been asked to do too much, to care too much, to whether that's childcare or groceries or emotional support or whatever. Yeah. It can go both ways. Yeah. And I think parents, especially if their child turns away from the faith, they feel like they need to defend the church or defend the faith or be the 
the one preaching at their kids. Right? Yeah, they every time. Soul, every single time they see them. Yeah. That that's kind of what their God-given responsibility is. Yeah. And so that becomes a hard place because people will feel, the kids feel, uh, well, they want to put some distance between them. If yeah. they feel like they're being kind of attacked or overparented every time they're together. You brought up that word distance. It made me think of, unfortunately, some young couples that I've worked with who are, you know, newly-ish married, let's say. And the only way they can find to put boundaries between them and their parents is to move several provinces away. Mm. And I thought, that's sad. So I worked with them through that saying, you know, if you need to move because of jobs or it's a better opportunity, maybe that's a great idea. Not stopping you from moving. But think this through a little bit. Is that the only way that we can create some good boundaries between you and your parents or parents-in-law? Because it doesn't necessarily solve everything. Oh, no. Because then when the parents come, they stay. I, I've talked to one woman whose mom comes and stays for like a month or two. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's going to, if sparks are going to fly, yeah. it's when a parent's in your house for a month or two. Yeah. Or you feel like you have to go there for a week or two weeks. And how do you leave your kids behind? Or do you take your whole family? Because that's costly. Yeah. I mean, you know what it's like. Uh, we have lots of families in our church that families spread across the country and they feel like every time there's a holiday, they need to go back and visit family. Yeah. So they never get a chance to do the things that they want to do as a family because they have to go visit extended family. Yeah. So we're saying moving away isn't always, yeah, it has its own cost. Mm-hmm. It might solve some other, some initial problems, but those might be able to be solved in other ways. Yeah. If you want to live here and you have a job here and this is where you want to be yeah. close by. It might be easier to stop in for half an hour and say hi instead of moving is. four provinces away and then having feeling like you have to come back yeah. once or twice a year. I think these are important to consider. Yeah. And that brings up the whole boundaries issue. How do we kindly and respectfully disappoint our parents? Or how do we kindly and respectfully disappoint our adult children? So for me, my parents live an hour away. And my mom sometimes will have visitors from Manitoba and my mom will say, can you come out and visit Aunt So-and-so? She's here for the weekend. And I'll have to kindly and respectfully say, I'm sorry, mom, I can't come on Friday night because we have this and that. And I know she's hurt or disappointed, but she doesn't hold it against me. I'll say to her then, well, what about Sunday? Oh, Sunday will work because we have a good relationship. So we outline, you know, I have to, we have to do this little dance all the time. Yeah. And same with for me, I'll say, mom, can you come out and see one of my kids this or that and she'll say oh I'm sorry it doesn't work we have this going on so I'm not going to hold it against them but we have to talk about it and put those boundaries in place doesn't always work yeah and I think it's important for us to say we value the relationship and the time spent together but we can't maybe do it every week like say for the pizza night or whatever Mm -hmm. but why don't we really all make an effort to come twice a month or once a month and show that you value that time together but it just maybe can't be weekly as was expected that's right So offer something in return Mm -hmm. as you're setting boundaries, but set boundaries that you feel like are going to be manageable and good for you and the people around you. Yeah, because we don't want to abandon or reject our family, whether it's adult children or parents. We want to find a way to keep the bridges open and have them strengthen. But we also have to find a way to honor the things that we're pursuing and the things that we're doing, uh, whether that's single or married or whatever your circumstances are. Yeah. We had one family, friends of ours growing up, uh, whose parents didn't want to be the babysitter that could be called like every night of the week. Oh, yeah. So what they said to their adult kids is, every Tuesday night, you can drop off whoever you want and they can stay for night. They can stay as long as they want, but it's just Tuesday night. Ah. And so the kids scheduled their date nights around Tuesday night, their past whatever involvements at church around Tuesday night, their grocery shopping, whatever they wanted to do. 
because they knew they had Tuesday night mm-hmm. and they offered it gladly, joyfully, you know, great to have the grandkids over, but then they didn't feel like they had to be at home every night with right. their kids. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great boundary because they're joyfully and generously yes. giving their time, Yeah, but it was what they could manage. Yeah. So there was one, when uh, I think it was Esther Burroughs, I was at a conference, she was a women's speaker and she said she does like a grandma camp once a summer where she takes a week and she does a camp for her grandkids and wow. runs it and does Bibles that like just fun stuff. Right. Wow. But her kids look forward to that. They get a week off. Mm-hmm. Her grandkids look forward to it and she's developing great relationships with them and mm-hmm. it's manageable. It's just one week. Yeah. And yet it really meets a lot of needs. So we need to be creative. Yeah. We need to strategize about what's best for our lives, whether we're single or married and with our parents and our adult children. And this is going to take some thinking through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's other ways we can prepare ourselves for that. Mm-hmm. So I think knowing that the fact that my kids are going to be out of the house in a few years, I want to, and I have done this all the way along, but I want to invest in other relationships too, so yeah. that I'm not depending upon them for all my social life. Like I, I want to have friendships that I'm making now and keeping in track with friends that I've had in the past so that I still have people to do life with Yeah, when they're not around. Yeah, and I would say specifically to parents who are in the high school years, often it's very busy and you're running around and you're watching this game and that game and whatever. But these are the years when we can't totally abandon our friends because in a couple years, like now, when my kids are going to be gone, yep. if I don't invest even now and then with a friend for coffee or a walk or something or a phone call, I'm going to have no friends. Exactly. Yeah. And Mark and I are going to be alone rattling around our house going, uh, we need more friends, which we've actually said, we, we, we probably need more friends because... Well, because you do easily be get into that, mm-hmm. yeah, that habit of just running around with them. So yeah, yeah I'm talking to myself here. I know. <laughs> That's the painful part about these podcasters and stuff I do is I'm always talking to myself. <laughs> it's like emotional counseling for Thalia. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's important. Well, I've talked to a number of women and encouraged them to come out to women's ministry Bible study or join a small group of some sort because... They need their own hobbies and interests so that when their kids leave home, they have something to yeah. to do to fill up their time in a purposeful way. Yeah. And so many people have a lot of gifts that they've put on the shelf in order yeah. to take care of their kids. Yeah. And that's a real good time where they can start using them then. See yeah. how else God would use you in his church and in the world. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of women in, let's say, their 50s-ish who, you know, their kids are grown and they have grandchildren. They sometimes will step out of church because they did that were there, did all those things, and now they just want to relax. And I'm like, no, we need you. Yeah. Come back. You have a little bit of extra time. You know, give some time to your family for sure, but then come on back and serve in some way that gives you life and joy. May not be women's ministry, maybe youth, maybe kids, maybe something, but we would love to see you back. Yeah. So any final words of advice that you'd have? Ah, good question. We're kind of running out of time. Running out of time. Yeah. Well, that's probably good for part one. <laughs> yeah. If people have questions, yeah. feel free to email us at bonus at northview.org. Yeah. And if you have, um, I would say, really challenging situations, you can refer back to one of our podcasts that's really popular from last year, yeah. Honoring Dishonorable Parents, or come in and talk to us because yeah. these are regular conversations that Crystal and I have. Vic has as well. Lots of the pastors have. And we'd be happy to walk through your particular situation. Yeah. Lots of people in the church facing these things. So don't feel like you're alone Mm-mm. if you're hearing yourself in some of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not directed at anyone. No, Probably directed at us mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Therapy. <laughs> so would you like to pray? Sure. As we end? Mm-hmm. Lord, 
Uh, you are the one who began relationships, and you are the one who, in the Garden of Eden, you formed Adam and Eve to be a partnership, and then you've continued all through the Bible, and you put the church as a community of believers. So you believe in relationships, you believe in community, but Lord, you also know how awkward and difficult and painful this can be at times. And so, Lord, would you help us? Would you give us the wisdom we need to walk through the sticky situations? Would you help us to be kind and compassionate and respectful for those around us? Would you help us to honor um, people around us as you would have us honor them? Lord, thank you that you are working with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We're not alone. And I'm thankful for this church that we can help each other as well. And so please go with us in the rest of the day and the week. In your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Yeah.